This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. So if I start with the words, especially here in summertime, With the following quote, we are all gathered here today. Does that make you think of of a wedding, right? I mean, if I was to say we're all gathered here today to talk about pajama ball, which is what Jonathan Gannon termed it. It could have been a funeral, right? I guess so. I think more wedding. See, that's the difference of between Darren and myself. There you go. If took I've us, ever heard one. took us 17 seconds to reveal the difference between glass half empty and glass half full, Danny versus Darren. Fair. Optimism. Tough but fair. Versus pessimism. Or maybe just the dose of reality that is Darren Urban here on Cardinals <laughs> Underground. Brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, Pauly Podcast, Danny Sarek. Pajama ball. That's what Jonathan Gannon calls it in the offseason. Bruce Arians... Used to refer to it, what, soccer? Yeah, but I, I think with the the rise in uh, soccer slash football in this country, I, I don't know if that's the proper way <laughs> right. to go anymore. Yeah, it's just some way to say, okay, these guys are not wearing pads out there. But the yes. whole, I mean, pajama ball, I didn't was unsure there for a minute talking about the Cardinals roster or uh, the media department here in about mm, 48 hours when everyone's on vacation. Pajamas, Danny, how, how much of your vacation will you be, be spending in pajamas around the house? Um, probably not much. I don't, I mean, leading up to, I've I've got a trip, so I won't be really in my pajamas because I won't be spending much of my vacation at my house, but so you're I plan on, the on go. relaxing. Okay. You're on the go. Darren? I will also be on the go for part of it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a pajama person anyways. I, Ooh, I certainly I am. <laughs> although, He's taking offense at that. Although I will say that, uh, actually, I think Danny, you're, you're just a little too far outside that that age range where it seems like everybody doesn't mind wearing pajamas just as daily wear at this point. No, I don't do that. But I like, I get home from work. I immediately have to change out of whatever I'm wearing into something comfortable. I have a 13 year old who will leave for school. I'm like, okay, so you didn't get out of your pajamas for school. Dad. Is this a female? Yeah. 13 year old. Apparently this is what these uh, 13 year olds are wearing. They're they're wearing to junior high school. My, my wife's a high school teacher and she sees plenty of pajamas on, on both genders. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Every day. So let me ask you a question uh, before we go any further here. I don't think they play football in those though. Show of hands. Do you guys think we have missed a massive storyline right underneath our collective noses? Is this what I think this is about? Are we going to, where is it, Vegas with the UFOs and the aliens? No. Oh. This is football. <laughs> I knew. Danny's been I conditioned. I thought this was one of those things where it's not football related. Dan- Danny's been conditioned to you know, keep your head on a swivel for some story out of nowhere. I'm talking football and only football, and I'm talking about about what the other players are talking about. And that's Zayvon Collins. Have you heard some of these comments from some of the other players? Yet Dennis Gardeck and Josh Woods among those making comments about Zayvon Collins. Here's Josh Woods, who is on with Wolf on his midday radio show, quote, to be honest, I don't even think Zayvon knows all that he can do. He's such a special talent when it comes to size, speed, skill, brains, Special talent. As long as he keeps trending in the right direction, he's going to be an amazing player in this league. Talking about Zayvon Collins at outside linebacker. Dennis Gardeck talking about his upside, what Zayvon Collins could possibly do just based on his size and speed. In fact, I'm looking for the quote here. He talks about how he's got to be one of the smartest outside linebackers already because he's coming from the mic. Right, he, he knows the entire front seven like the back of his hand. And then Dennis Gardick went on to say, and I'm quoting, and if you guys haven't noticed, he's actually huge. There was a picture of me next to him. I looked like his little brother. 
And then you just talked about Zavin's ability to play much faster than he did a year ago because things are only coming from one direction right now, and he has much less to think about than playing the mic. And he concludes by saying, I think he's going to be a dominant outside backer, end quote. I mean, there's one thing we know over the years. Players know players. So when Dennis Gardak and Josh Woods unsolicited bring that up about Zayvon Collins already, we haven't even hit pads and seen him at the position in pads, well, at least in this training camp. You listen to Zayvon, he played like 30% of his snaps last year on the edge in special packages. But I'm just wondering if that's something, at least when I went back through the quotes, I'm like, wow, I think we've collectively missed that as a potential storyline. I think, too, the difference of what has felt like with the previous regime of moving Zaven outside felt more like you needed to find a way to fit him onto the field. Of everything he was learning early on in his career out here, you still had Jordan Hicks uh, as one of your linebackers. And this feels different because this feels more like an intentional move because of not only what Zaven can do, but for the betterment of the team and, and where the strengths and weaknesses of this defense currently are and I think especially without Zayvon Collins outside linebackers is one of the weaker spots on this defense so it makes sense why they would make that move out there because we've heard not only from players like Dennis Gardick but defensive coordinator Nick Rollis talk about the intelligence that Zayvon has and the main difference of moving from inside to outside is how your eyes work and that Zayvon is able to handle that shift and if he's able to be as successful as we saw him last year calling the defense, moving around a couple positions, if he's able to focus on just one and really use that size and that intelligence that everyone is talking about, I think he could be a dominant threat for this defense. Now, the other thing is, besides him, who else do you have outside? That That's kind of a question mark because you have Dennis Gardeck, who's really been a utility player, big special teamser, and then you have Cam Thomas and Maje Sanders entering their second years, and so... And then well, BJ well, Ojolari. Right, but we haven't seen we haven't BJ. Seen it all. We haven't seen him on the field, so we don't really know what he can do or if he's going to be healthy enough to be on the field at training camp even. So there's a lot of question marks, but I do think that Zaven is the bright spot when you're looking at this pass rush. Gardek talks about just the fact that at Mike Linebacker, guess what? The offense can attack you from any sort of angle, and it takes a moment to process, okay, where is this play coming from? Whereas at outside linebacker, it's real easy. Either they're coming at you or they're going away from you. It's one or the other. And just that simplicity and the ability not to think nearly as much and react and use his size and his speed and his skill set bodes very well for Zayvon Collins. I've always found Zayvon to be a very intelligent kid. So that that part of it certainly doesn't surprise me. It, it's, it is interesting, not just with Zayvon, but with – Quite frankly, the whole defense, how how this defense is going to be deployed, how they're going to be expecting these guys to do things. I mean, I think Collins is clearly one of the more interesting for all the reasons you've just listed because of the fact that they need an outside linebacker because he was drafted as an inside linebacker and now he's being moved and 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 what he might be able to be but it it, it is a fascinating story but there's lots of fascinating stories on this defense in terms of how they might break this down, you know, thinking about like We've talked about this before. What are they going to do with Isaiah Simmons? What is this cornerback room going to look like? Like, I don't – it feels very, like, unsettled. Like, who are who are the cornerbacks that are going to get all the playing time? I mean, it might end up being all the, the people that you're, you're just going to guesstimate because of the, what experience they have compared to some other ones. But I don't know that for a fact. It's just it's, – it's really – it's a weird time as we come – usually we come to the end of minicamp. We come to the end of the offseason, and we have some idea, and – in, in about a week, I'm going to do uh, my annual blog post where I kind of do my guesstimate of what the starting lineup is going to be on opening day for both offense and defense. And I mean, it, talk about throwing Man. darts that wow. I don't expect it to be very accurate at all. We had the question recently, which position rooms right now going into Cardinals camp 2023 will be the biggest question marks, the most to figure out? In terms of starters Just or production? unsettled unknown like yeah exactly what you know what's the biggest question mark slash concern in terms of a position room and my top five went like this number one d-line number two d-line number three corner number four corner number five tight end that's my power See, pole of questionable 
I, slash I, I concerns. Don't, I, I don't disagree about concerns. I'm not... I think corner is really the only position where there are questions in terms of starting because we haven't really seen everyone, you know, out here. Antonio Hamilton just came back this week for minicamp, and that was the first we've seen him. And you don't really get to see a lot throughout OTAs and minicamp. And while there are concerns, I think you can get pretty close to who you think your starters are going to be on the defensive line. Maybe. Okay, let maybe, it rip. Are we saying that they're going to have two or three? Give me, probably, your t- give me your we top. We are saying three. they're going to have two or three. Okay, yeah. thank you. I was trying to think of. <laughs> give me your top two, three whatever. defensive linemen. I would think they would probably do L.J. Collier. I would think Carlos Watkins and maybe a lucky Fotu, and that's assuming that Jonathan Ledbetter and Rashard Lawrence, who we've seen, have been working on the side. Assuming maybe they're not ready. Now I don't know. Maybe they're going to like someone like. A Jacob Slade, you know, who they gave a lot of that money to. Like, there are there are question marks, right? But I, yep. I think that you can get an idea of who your starters are going to be. And I think same with tight end. I mean, you, you only have so many. Cornerback, I think, of those three has the most question marks in terms of what your depth chart will likely look like. Is there a position, any of them, where you say that room is settled? R- running back, question mark? Well, <laughs> the whole the, yeah, adding the question mark kind of defeats the purpose of saying it's settled, right? So when you say settled the room, you're talking top to bottom. So well, running, yeah. so running back James Conner obviously is number yes. one, but after but like, that, after that, like so you're when you talk about uh, you were talking about the rooms and everything, like and then Danny asked, are we talking about starters? Are we talking? And for me, that that settled would be any part of it. Okay, maybe you do know who James Conner starting, but then beyond that, who's who's the second guy when James Conner is not playing or, and or is hurt. So I guess safety, that would be the only one, right? I would think safety would be the closest. I don't know if that with Buda I, Baker, Jalen Thompson, Isaiah Simmons. Y- you would think, I but mean, believe it or not, receiver. I mean, Hollywood Brown, Rondale Moore, Greg Dortch. Yeah, but M- Michael and, and then Wilson, Michael Zach Wilson, Pascal, where are they Zach Pascal. In? I mean, there's your five. Right. There's your five. You would think that's your five, but what order are we talking about? Like, who's playing above who? Like, I can see, I could see an argument where Zach Pascal's the fifth, and I could see one where he's the second, if he's the starting X. So, how? Depends. I guess You're that's right. settled, but is it settled? Yeah. But in terms of running back, James Conner, and then. Guess what? You go back to the quote from Jonathan Gannon, everything's a competition. Is it Keontae Ingram? Is it Corey Clement? Is it Amari DiMarcato? This, this is, is where getting keeps, a lot of buzz as an undrafted guy, a third down back potentially. This is where it comes back to the it's so hard for us because if you take if you take uh in this wonderful stew of the offseason and we take the fact that they've got a ton of new players. There's there's no like super standouts they necessarily brought in where you're saying that guy is absolutely playing. I mean, Kazir Waite's going to play. And then you throw in uh, a new staff. Oh, and also the new staff isn't going to say Jack Diddley about anything in terms of letting you know if a guy's hurt, how much he's hurt, what they might want to do with it. I mean, I'll give props to Jonathan Gannon. I don't think they've let on much of anything at all. We do know they're going to run the ball more. That's, That's been true. made clear. That is true. And, and we do know they're going to use a lot more 11, 12, and 13 personnel, which brings us to the other position group that I think is just unsettled. Zach Ertz, total unknown. Yeah, we have no idea. Point. He says it's his goal to be ready for week one, but there's absolutely zero proclamation well, from Zach Ertz that he's going to be ready. And I thought it was interesting when he said it would be doing a disservice to many people, including myself, if I put a timeline yep. on Yep. So well, think about that. You have Trey McBride, Danny, a tight end, and then what? Noah Tongiai actually has you know, a history with this coaching staff. So, okay, I my guess. My guy, Joel Honingford, who I'm going to be doing right. a story on, but that's the main reason I'm rooting for right. him. Him right and now. Blake Whitehart are the two undrafted rookie free agents. Bernhard Sykovitz, who's on the roster and has held his own in the past as a blocking tight end. Okay, does it go beyond that? Chris Pierce. So, I mean, to me, if you're really using 11, 12, and 13 personnel, and let's just say Zach Ertz isn't ready week one, then what? You don't even have enough. <laughs> I mean, so, likely. Yeah, I mean... So there's that. Um, honestly, 
the deepest position on this roster is offensive line. So many of them. True. And with that in mind, that brings me to my other roster question as you get ready for training camp. And tell me if this is a legitimate question or not. Do we keep an eye on the 2020 draft class as potential targets for trade? For example, at Josh Jones. And I brought this up a yes. couple of months ago. Yes. I mean, you definitely have I mean, we, depth. If you're talking, I don't see how this team goes into the regular season with DJ Humphreys and Paris Johnson Jr. and Kelvin Beecham and Josh Jones. That doesn't Correct. make a whole lot of yeah. sense. And you have other veteran tackles on this team that could get you through in a pinch of Dennis Daly, some other types like that. Uh, and then you have other draft picks who, look, they're in a contract years. So Alecky Fotu or Rashard Lawrence. Now you're much thinner along the defensive line. I have a hard time believing you can just part ways with either one of those guys and considering where you are at the position. But, and then honestly, you know, what do you do about Isaiah Simmons at this point? So, I mean, is it an automatic that he's around? I would presume so. You're not going to probably get, a, get fair value for him in return. I don't want to go a hot take around here, but if you're – if you're Monty Asifor and Jonathan Gannon and you have a no allegiances to any of those players from the 2020 draft class and you want to make sure you get something in return before the end of this season where they potentially can just walk with zero assets in return, then I wonder to what degree that's a consideration. It's interesting to me that the Isaiah Simmons thing because he, we finally got a chance to talk to him and he said, I want to master one position, which is interesting because, A, I think that's what the coaching staff would like for him to do at this point. But it's also kind of the opposite of not only what they were doing with him before, but what Isaiah was saying in the past. Every time that had ever come up in the past, Isaiah Simmons had said, I want to play a lot of different spots. I don't have a problem doing that. I like doing that. My, that my rebuttal is... If he's being asked that of the old coaching staff, what do you expect him to say? The opposite when the coaching staff is well, right. You don't want okay, to contradict. But that's is that really a rebuttal when you could be making the same argument with this coaching staff? I'm just saying of. I think you can look at it right both ways yeah. and say like, oh, what, look, what, what, what is the truth of? I've done this. Maybe I, both I've are done true. this long enough. If you're if you're going to sit there and say that somebody is going to throw somebody else under the bus of a previous or a current or whatever, that usually doesn't happen. And that's one of the reasons, all due respect to you, Paul, when you start talking about Dennis Gardick talking about rookies or, or whatever it might be, like, they're going to say stuff like that. Like, that's, that's what they're going to say. Well, they're saying it, and then there's really saying it. I mean, no, I mean there's, there's like, okay, you know, keep an eye on this. But when unsolicited, you bring up a Zayvon Collins, say he's going to be dominant at the position. I guess that's true. I guess you're That just catches my ear. I, I, I just don't – I want to know how that – could possibly be known we've all been out there and we can't report on most of practice right now but we can say in a general term what we see out there in the closed part of practice in 11 on 11 you aren't getting are you getting anything out of that that you're saying no. to yourself no. that translates that's why i boil it down to players no players because in the setting even if we were allowed to report on what we've seen it's worthless because they're not in pads yeah true at least for a position like what Zayvon Collins does, trying to beat an offensive tackle off the edge, well, they're not going full speed, full contact football. What can you tell? That's why I defer to players. It's, you know, and they're not, all, obviously, they don't have a 100% track record. But remember, Darren, it took them all of about two rookie minicamp practices to rave about a young third-round draft pick named Tyron Matthew. When guys create a buzz... They create a buzz oh, among okay. other players. Okay, I'm not going to disagree with you, but that to me, that's an argument like the people are saying. Don't forget, you there the, you could find a Hall of Fame quarterback in the sixth round because that's where Tom Brady came in. You're right; they did buzz about Tyron Matthew. And if I made an effort, I bet you I could find ten other guys who had gave some kind of buzz in the off season and then didn't turn out that yeah. way. You're you're just yeah. picking the one that yeah. did work out. I, I get. With Isaiah Simmons, though, and, and you're right, as he changed his tune a little bit, but his assignment has also changed, right? Under Vance Joseph, 
He was a jack of all trades, I, I so he assume. was going to be on board with his defensive coordinator. Now he's been assigned one position, so when he talks to the media, yeah. he's going to be on board with that's, his assignment. That's Danny. That's right. Danny's. Point. I mean, you know, maybe maybe that's the truth of this is truly more what Isaiah is looking for because when you look at his performance collectively the last few years, it hasn't been great. It hasn't been consistent. He's been having to learn a lot of positions. He was originally going to call the defense, had that taken away from him very quickly. To me, it would make sense that this would be how he truly feels, that Isaiah really does want to focus on one position to really start to create success, especially not having that fifth year picked up by the Cardinals and being in a contract year, you want to show whether it is the Cardinals or another team, look what I can do. Look what I can do when I specialize in something, even if it's a move from linebacker to safety, look what I'm capable of doing. I'd just like to say that a year ago at this time when I was talking about making comparisons you know, to the first-round Cardinals linebacker that might be like a Micah Parsons as a, quote, pass-rushing linebacker type, I really meant to say Zayvon Collins instead of Isaiah Simmons a year ago. That's what I, I really job, meant. That's fair. Okay. Hey, Ohms, <clears throat> Ohms we'll can you go ahead and uh, rejigger those, okay. those files? Hashtag revisionist history. Right, we have Paul saying, and I have no, no doubt that Zayvon Collins. Right, exactly. It's going to be the Just edit in Zayvon Collins instead of Isaiah Simmons for the uh, Micah Parsons clone as the quote pass rushing uh, linebacker. So, yeah. Where else? Do you, so, do you guys get the feeling that Monty Ford is going to bolster this roster between the end of mandatory minicamp and the beginning of training camp, or do you think he waits? till day one or two or three of pads and then it says okay now I really know what I don't do or don't have what's considered bolstering if we're talking about trading someone like Josh Jones and you might not be getting a big time player maybe you're getting draft picks I mean is that considered bolstering or are you you're talking about getting I'm a player I, I, I'm talking more about adding a player I or players to certain position groups that you feel like are in need I think for me at this point, here's what we're here's the kind of timeline we're looking at because everybody's going to be going on vacation, including the general manager. I think at this point, you are probably going to have one or two spots open on the roster. You might sign somebody right at the beginning of training camp. Who knows? There was a report out there that the the Cardinals were looking at the the ex Washington center uh, potentially oh, who's yeah. been who's yep. been injured, but but again, it's a center, so possibly. And I could see maybe that at the outset of camp. But when we're talking about adding other players, I think that's in camp. I think if we're talking about potentially trading somebody, that's waiting to see if somebody needs somebody before you make a trade or, or near the end of the preseason. And, and it's funny that when you bring up the before pads, because don't forget, we got to get five days into training camp before there are any pads. I know. So that's excruciating. That's the hurry up and wait. Yeah, you get to camp, you're like, let's I go. Nope. Nope. Uh, thou shalt not get full contact, full speed football until five days into camp so yeah so that's i i that's what i think is yeah. is the is the kind of line we're looking at here's what we do know back to danny's point and will hernandez said this on wednesday of minicamp week when asked about the new offense and the new mentality on that side of the ball and will hernandez said you know just the fact we're going to emphasize the run game and he paused for effect gets me real excited and then he smiled so further verification in fact, it was Zach Ertz on with Wolf on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports when asked how different is Drew Petzing's offense from what has previously most recently been run with the Cardinals. And Zach Ertz said, and I quote, it couldn't be more different than what Cliff ran. Wow. So that's intriguing. In fact, that Zach Ertz interview, I jotted down a, uh, a couple of notes from that, and uh, he was talking about in particular – just saying about with Cliff and how the Cardinals were in the gun every play. I'm loosely quoting, we're going to be under center a lot more, I presume. This is going to be a Kubiak-style offense like Houston had back in the day. That was his comparison, Zach Ertz. So I thought that was pretty interesting. He also said, you can see the direction that this organization is going now, prioritizing the offensive and defensive line. And he said, you know what? That is the best way to have consistency in the NFL because you can have all the skill guys you want, but if you lose a few key offensive linemen, it's really tough to win in this league. That was Zach Ertz. Think about the Cardinals the last few years and the injuries and adversity and really looking at that offensive line. I mean, that rings true. 
He also mentioned just the attention to detail within the coaching staff. That's sort of a hallmark, what he's taken away from what the coaches are doing so far. That was off the top of my head uh, Wednesday after minicamp. Uh, which player said that same thing when talking about accountability, that it was making the small details into the into bigger... That was Antonio uh, Hamilton, I believe. Putting yes. a bigger emphasis on those smaller details when it comes to accountability. It's what Jan- Jonathan Gannon has repeatedly called um, winning behavior, right? Yes. That's winning behavior or non-winning behavior. And, and it could be something like eating your breakfast in a team meeting room. Or it could be a false start in an 11-on-11 out there in a mandatory minicamp. It's funny you bring that up. I think uh, in my upcoming mailbag, somebody had a question of how, making the point how upset they were with how many pre-snap penalties this team had. And it'll be curious, I'll be curious to see if that, the accountability and the, and the kind of how Gannon is running things kind of trickles into that. Because there's, there's, usually, there's usually some parallelism there. Like you can probably draw a line from one to the other one. Well, Cardinals were top three in penalties last year. They've been pretty high up there the last few years. Two years before that, they led the league. Yeah. So think about that. No bueno. It's the whole Cardinals beating Cardinals. How many times after games did we hear that quote, right? It's the self-inflicted. It's the it's the extra opponent on your schedule every week. Yourself. Was the Cardinals being down but still in the game last season and then penalty after penalty shooting themselves in the own foot, in their yeah. own foot? yeah. So, by the way, speaking of uh, shooting yourself in the foot or a foot injury, is that our segue to Michael Wilson? <laughs> How about that? It can be, Paul. can be. If you would choose to have it be. <laughs> I don't know be. if we were going Hollywood Brown. You know, because he, he did have two years in a row with that foot injury, which gives everyone a little bit of pause. You know, we know what foot injuries have meant for athletes over the years in various sports, but knock on wood, so far so good. Michael Wilson, agree or disagree, Darren has really been one of those talking points of the offseason for the Cardinals. Again, I, I think Michael Wilson, I, I love the idea of Michael Wilson. He's a bigger receiver. I had a chance to talk to former Bengals receiver T.J. Hushmanzada, who has been his mentor and trainer since 2020. Uh, he can't talk enough good things about Michael Wilson, usually dropping a few choice F-bombs in there while... Come on, TJ. ...by saying so. But uh, it was... He he loves Michael Wilson. He believes Michael Wilson uh, is one of the best receivers in this draft, period. Now, again, I, I, I tend to be... I, I want to see it when it matters. Um, and I like Michael Wilson a lot. Stanford kid, incredibly well-spoken, as many of these draft picks are, uh from our angle, we absolutely want him to hit it big because he's a great interview, but he's going to have to perform. And and that's even beyond the fact that he's got to stay healthy, but he's going to have to perform. And, and until that kind of that stuff starts happening, I'm, I'm always going to kind of temper where I am with things. I asked him his biggest challenge so far as a rookie. He said the playbook, having to learn every single receiver position. I so badly wanted to follow up with but you're a Stanford guy with a couple of degrees. You know, come on, the playbook shouldn't be a challenge whatsoever. You know, such a cow thing to say. No, but how often do you hear that, right? If you go to Harvard or Stanford, you're going to get that all the time, right? If there's a mental error, you know, what are you doing? How dare you? By the way, he spoke very highly of Keytrell Clark, the round six rookie corner out of Louisville. Interesting. Very interesting. Keytrell Clark, who at some point might be one of our social interns. He's been great taking pictures and doing video. That's right. He commandeered Caitlin's camera at the D-backs game, and, right? And some video. And video for a little bit, too. Does he have experience in this department? Nope. Or is he just he just says he, he just says he, just he thinks it's really... He's just a He really he thinks it's cool, and it's something he wants to get into. Well, I bring this up because Paris Johnson Jr. actually has experience doing Darren's job as an actual reporter on a beat. As a journalism I, I actually degree. asked Paris Johnson if he would be interested. I said, the first day he was here, I'm like, I know... You're just getting into all this. I, I certainly, and maybe not this year or whatever, but I said, we would love to have you do like a, a guest column every month or something. I would. I told him that. I think he was a little overwhelmed at the time that he was just arriving in the NFL. Probably. So probably not. I mean, if you're looking tops at tops on his priority list, if you're looking at the cornerback room right now, because when I threw out there the power pole, the biggest concerns and or needs going into camp, and I had D-line one and two, corner three and four, if Marco Wilson is number one, if Antonio Hamilton is number two, just based on the fact that he was a starting corner at the end of Cardinals camp a year ago before the foot injury, the tragic kitchen, uh, kitchen accident, right, with the hot grease on his feet, which derailed much of his season, if he's back and he's one of the 
few really experienced and proven corners in that room. We all know you need at least three, ideally four corners to get through a season without injury. You need those four corners, depending on, you know, you go dime or what have you. I mean, Keytrell Clark figures to be in the mix for that number three corner spot at this point, don't you think, Danny? I think it's pretty open, whether it's Keytrell Clark or Christian Matthew or Rashad Fenton. I mean, there's there's a couple of players where it seems like it's it's up for anyone to get that third spot. And I think training camp is really where we will see who is making a reach for that spot and, and really all the positions and, and a lot for what Michael Wilson was saying is that's really you need to show up and you need to know the playbook, right? It's one thing to have that natural ability and, and be able to go, but, but that's where what's really going to secure a spot on the team is showing up for training camp and, and knowing the plays. And I'm going to say again with the new staff, I mean, th- and this is just me, and I know Byron Murphy was part of this last year too, but I think it's a little bit, premature this is just me I think it's a little bit premature to think that the two starting cornerbacks would be two holdovers from a previous team Mm. with a new staff I mean I'm not saying that Marco and or Antonio Hamilton won't be the starters but I think I would be more shocked if those were the two starters than if one of them was replaced for whatever reason and it's not because of anything I've seen it's just that just doesn't ring true to me Especially with wide, as wide open yeah. as that room is. And I'm with you. The allegiances are not there yeah. between the decision makers in this roster. I, I told you, but I just, in this, in this case, though, I look at yeah, maybe. Marco Wilson and Antonio Hamilton and then a lot of unproven players. That's probably true. That's my only contention there. Now, I'm guilty of this forgetting all the time about the Cardinals' third-round pick, Garrett Williams, out of Syracuse. Yeah, I mean, he was the 72nd pick overall. Now he tore his ACL in October, so what's realistic as to when he he might be back and and really ready to challenge for playing time? But here's a guy who you know is a little bit older. He was you know the team captain. He was very skilled and accomplished at Syracuse. So if we're talking about Keytrell Clark out of Louisville, round six, you certainly would have to put a healthy Garrett Williams into the mix. I would oh, think. Okay, here's my question for you two. Oh boy, we're gonna do ACL power rankings. <laughs> By 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 week six. So that would be ACL would be Garrett Williams, Zach Ertz, Kyler Murray. Yes. By week six, power rank me uh, first being the most impactful. What's your power rankings through the first six games of the season? Well, are we assuming all three of those players are going to be back by no, week six? No, I, I, I didn't say that. Okay. I said we're doing a power ranking. Okay. Most impactful by week six of those three. Yeah. In the first six games. First six games. Now, maybe maybe one plays two, maybe one plays none. I don't know. We don't know any of this. So that's what I'm saying. That's what makes it a good talking point right now. What's your, what's your power ranking right. here? Okay. Go ahead, Danny. Like who would be the most impactful to over those first six, Over those first six games, who will be yep. the most impactful? How could you say anything other than your franchise quarterback and be- Kyler Murray? Because he may not play at all in those first six games. And then you're like, oh. I'm I'm including the fact that they may not be back. So then, how am I supposed to rank? That's it's a podcast. Oh my goodness! No, that's gracious. a challenge. Okay. That is a challenge. Well, I get it. Well, I mean, to me, it's simple. It would be your franchise quarterback and Kyler Murray would be the most impactful, and then after that would be Zach Ertz because we don't know anything about Garrett Williams. And what talk- what, it, what if Garrett Williams is the only one who's playing in those first six weeks? Then he's mm-hmm. got to be your number one guy. That's the point of the power rankings. Okay, I must not understand this exercise <laughs> the way that the two of you are, but Son sure, sorry. Know. I didn't ask you to bet a paycheck. I know, and I'm glad you didn't because I wouldn't hey, have. How hey, about you, Paul? What's, if, what's your power ranking there? Uh, I, I would go Zach Ertz, Kyler Murray, Garrett Williams. Okay. That's 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 the direction I would go. So you're feeling fairly confident that Kyler is going to get back in there sooner rather than later. I think we see all three before Halloween. Okay. I would not bet we see all three in September. That, uh, that's, I don't, that's, that that's, doesn't that's, sound right th- to me. I just don't think so. Because there's a lot of really – I think overly optimistic projections that, Ky- that Kyler is going to be back oh, sometime yeah, in September, and I'm not that. banking on that. I, I, I am again. And I think Zach Ertz will be more bullish than he is now talking to the media if he was going to be back in September. I would agree. I would say again with the disclaimer that we don't know anything. Oh no! I, and Jonathan Gannon has worked really hard oh, to, yeah. to make sure we didn't know anything. Yeah. I I dismiss I personally my gut. I dismiss Kyler Murray playing in the first month as much as I dismiss Kyler Murray not playing at all. 
Well, maybe not as much. I think him not the, the idea of him not playing at all is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. He is going to play this season. But I if I, he can play, he will play. Yeah. He has is to that, play. Is is that sentiment Which dumber one? than than what that Kyler shouldn't play? Then the Cardinals should just start Clayton Toon all year, the rookie. Oh, that's close. Um I, I still think I, I still think I mean at least I feel like the Kyler stuff I kind of understand where people are arguing it. I don't I don't think it's based in reality whatsoever because with a new coach and the circumstances that both Kyler and the team are in, I think he needs to play this year to show himself and everybody else what what he can do. But yeah, I don't think Clayton Toon I'm not saying Clayton Toon might not play this year because we just watched four quarterbacks start in four different weeks last year, so never say never. But I just I think back to Denny Green back in uh, 2004 and it was Fitz's for a rookie season and Josh McCown was a starter when the season began and he played okay football. They won four to six at one point with him playing okay football and Denny Green decided <laughs> without telling anybody yep. on the publicly that Sean King was going to get the start in Carolina at the other end of that four and two stretch. And uh, I'll never forget it. Uh, both myself and Ken Summers were tipped off the night before, so we were able to get it in the Sunday morning newspaper that there was a quarterback change. Dennis Green was not happy about that. Sean King went out there, and the Cardinals lost 35-10. to 10. Uh, Denny Green said Sean King played fantastic. He didn't really – he had like he had three, like 380 yards passing, but because they were down so much. And, and then – I'm sure Sean King said he played fantastic as well, knowing Sean King. Yes, I believe that is exactly what happened. Yeah. And then uh, – a couple weeks later, they were going to play in Detroit, and out of nowhere, Denny decides John Navarre, the rookie seventh-round pick, is going to get a start, and that didn't go well either. I mean, honestly, when you talk about how coaching is overrated, <laughs> no. In that case, no, because the head coach derailed the season. He really did. That was that was such a nutball I mean, time in I just he was beyond volatile then I, the next year was my first year as the sideline pencil neck guy and <laughs> I mean I you know the stuff that I dealt with after the game him ripping the microphone out of my hand and declaring my, Matt Leiner at the starting quarterback yeah <laughs> and that was yeah it was 06 actually yeah. two years later I mean just the stuff that went down it was I, I wish I, I would have to do some research I and I probably won't I writing a book over Denny Green's three years here would be fantastic <laughs> Okay, here's what we do know, by the way. For everything that Jonathan Gannon hasn't told us, did he tell us who the starting right tackle is? When asked about Paris Johnson Jr. after day one of mandatory minicamp, and the media question revolved around, is he going to play guard or tackle? And Jonathan Gannon sort of demurred and said, you know what, yeah, he's played both. He has experience at both. And then he paused and he said that Paris Johnson Jr., not only has experience of both guard and tackle, but, quote, he has what you're looking for in a starting tackle. Next question. I what? mean, from, from what we have seen so far, it's it's looking like tackle. Yes. So I that's kind of where my mind is at, where we will probably expect to see him um, training camp and, and likely during the season. So here's my podcast question then. If Jonathan Gannon says, and I quote, he has what you're looking for in a starting tackle, end quote, is it Paris Johnson Jr.'s job to lose going into cards camp? I am going to say yes, because if I thought anything about this going into this season and going into this offseason and going in with a new coach and where this roster is, I thought for sure, okay, you're going to be dropping some draft picks into the lineup. That's what I think. And I think Paris Johnson Jr., six overall, yep. you're absolutely doing that. Yep. I think the bigger question would be, again, this is all just assuming with what we've talked about and seen and can report on, is is who's going to be your swing tackle? And we were just talking about if you can possibly get anything, trade Josh Jones. And that, to me, would make the most sense of still young enough where you can get something for him, even if it's not a lot, maybe you know a, a late, round draft pick where you probably can't get much for Kelvin Beecham from where he's at in his career. However, the benefit of keeping Beecham is he has extensive experience at both right and left tackle. So 
not only injury, if something happens where Paris is not able to keep up with the play in his rookie year, you can put Calvin Beecham right in. If something happens, you know, an injury, whatever, Calvin Beecham can slide in at left tackle. That, to me, kind of makes more sense. Not so much a question of who are going to be your starting right tackles. That, to me, feels pretty set. The bigger question is who's going to be your swing tackle. And to me, it would make more sense to keep Calvin Beecham for depth and that ability to play on both sides and try and get something for Josh Jones. I think that's that makes the most logical sense. I mean, I'm not going to completely rule out if you have four tackles and somebody would rather would rather take Beecham for whatever reason. You know, that that's still a possibility too. I mean, and you keep Josh Jones as your third yeah, tackle. I don't good. I don't I don't know how that's going to go. The other good. thing that we don't know about all this is until trades are made, is everybody healthy? I mean, we keep talking about, oh, you want to get into camp and see what team, what other team might need a tackle because you get hurt. What right. if the Cardinals What if need? the Cardinals get hurt? So that can change some well, things. Too. I thought you were going to say, do you want to see DJ Humphreys in full pads? I mean, back, I back injury for a lineman? That's fair, too. Ain't nothing, as they say, right? And as someone who was this close to offseason surgery but decided to rehab it, according to DJ Humphreys and the way he tells the story, and has successfully rehabbed it, but what's that going to mean after all the pounding in camp? <laughs> I use that loosely based on the state of training camp 2023, but still, they have to test out their franchise left tackle and make sure he's going to be able to sustain his typical level of play all year long because back injuries have derailed more than one lineman over the years, so... You know, that might be another reason you have four legit tackles on this roster right now is to what degree is DJ Humphrey still a question mark till you get in pads? I, I'm just going to say this. I think in terms of Paris Johnson Jr., and, I, and I've said this with Craig Rill on cover two for a couple of months right now, I just think if the NFL is a copycat league and the Seahawks started two rookie tackles last year, and to me the comp really is the Giants and Evan Neal, who they took in the 2022 draft seventh overall and immediately plugged him in a right tackle, Started him his entire rookie year, Evan Neal. Just said, go at it. They were a playoff team, the Giants, obviously. I just, yeah, Tristan Wirfs, who came out, immediately started day one, a right tackle for Tampa. It just seems to be a trend these days, and I could easily see the Cardinals emulating that for all the other reasons we've detailed. Again, you're in a season where... Let's let's not beat around the bush. You're in a season where it makes sense to start some rookies and you, get them get them experience. You have the wiggle room to right to to start rookies and kind of <laughs> the wiggle room. Right. I mean, uh, I don't. That's, I, th- I, I think, think that's that, a good way to describe uh, it. I think of, we should use that as the uh, the slogan this year. Cardinals 2023. They have some wiggle they room, have some wiggle room. To, to start some rookies and <laughs> fuel by fire. What is it? Trial by fire. Trial by fire. <laughs> there we go. Well, okay, if you really if you really want to bottom line this, you also most likely won't have your franchise quarterback in the pocket either. That's true. So if you're going to have a tackle learning on the job, why not do it with backups, <laughs> right? As the, I mean, if you want to look at a worst-case scenario. Fair. Quarterback spot and de facto week one starter, a competition at all? I think I mean, it's Colt McCoy's role to lose agree i mean is there any way i could legitimately feasibly fan the flames of a quarterback competition to try and generate some interest in the preseason i think the competition would be david blau or jeff driscoll Mm. at this point i mean i'm i think you're it's it's out there and fair for you to try and generate whatever Whatever you want Paul. Paul, it's your world (laughs) well i wouldn't do it around david blau and jeff driscoll it'd be a clayton tune it'll be the rookie it'll be the the kid who comes in with the Brock Purdy experience, right, and the the bravado, and he's got uh, you know, he's got all the tools, and he's able to fit the ball into tight windows, according to Jonathan Gannon. Here's here's what I want to do. I want when fearless we, when we get to the preseason, I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't want Paul to know about this, Danny, so don't let him know. But I'm gonna get with Omo, and, and we can put together a montage of Paul singing Clayton Tunes praises on the broadcast, and we'll just play that as part of our podcast that's cool just start the montage with the quote from clayton toon himself where he said i'm the best quarterback in this class okay when when i when i brought up to him though that there are fans that want him to start he claimed he didn't hadn't heard any of that. that's right that's right okay well i mean look 
look, if you want me to start, uh, you know, you know, just starting that fire right now, I mean, just remember that Pro Football Focus had him with the best passing grade of any college football quarterback last year, and he had the highest on-target percentage in the quarterback class. Just saying, just throwing that out there. Is he one of your 18 players to watch? <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I'm, I'm standing by Amari, my Amari Di Mercado at, uh, at running back, third down back, potential third down back making this roster. Okay. We'll see. That's I've narrowed cool. it down to that. <laughs> and, and, and the cornerback, Quavian White. Can you just give me one more? Give, sure. give me one more. I'm going to go with Quavian White, number 37, and then 31, uh, Amari Di Mercado. You don't want my guy, Joel Honingford? Okay. I think I just like saying the name okay. Amari Di Mercado. Danny, who is your uh, – come on now, give us a sleeper. Give us someone on the far uh, reaches of this roster that you think is going to come in, and after week one of camp, we're going, oh, man, look at that. Look at that. Buy low, sell high. Who's that player? I'm going to be optimistic and, and hope it's maybe someone on the defensive line. Hmm. Maybe Dante Stills, the rookie, Jacob Slade, undrafted yeah. rookie. Oh, that's a good call. You know, the other thing, and we, we're going to have so much time to talk about this, I can't believe I'm actually saying this out loud, but when we get to the end of the preseason and this team has got the number three spot in the waiver order. That's right. I mean, you could see three, four, five guys how many yep. weeks that we don't it? know anything about yep. that they pick up at the it's end of the It's through the first four weeks of the regular season before yes. it shifts to yes. the rankings. Okay. So this, I, I, would, I would dare say that this team is going to end up picking up a couple of guys. Shout out to the last five guys on the final 53. Don't go buy a car as soon as you get the news you're on the team. Don't go buy breakfast. Greg Dortch told that story on a recent edition of the Big Red Rage. His first year in the league, he was with the Giants, I think, and he made the team, and the very next day got a call. You're no longer on the team because mm. they had claimed someone off waivers, and that started his odyssey of five teams in two years. And so... That's uh, all part of the Nomadic existence, Paul. Look, I will say this. There's no lack of guys on this team who aren't ultra confident, whether it's a Clayton Toon, whether it's a Greg Dorch, whether it's an Antonio Hamilton. I mean, Ham at the uh, well, press conference talking to the media, he, he, he certainly didn't short himself on uh, the confidence he has to be a starter, right? Let's, let's face it, Paul. The bottom line is when you have a roster like this, there's not a whole lot of t – it's not real top-heavy. So there's not a lot of guys that guys underneath are looking up at and saying, wow, that guy's really good. I can't beat him out. Yeah, good point. So, all right. What else uh, in uh, terms of uh, what we need to know between now and camp? Anything else? Any Is there any other pressing issue that – are you going to miss us, Paul? If you're John, let me ask you this. This is my final football question. Oh, sorry. If you're Jonathan Gannon, early in camp, what pressing question would you love to get an answer to? He's not going to share it with the media. I almost asked it in the press conference, like, Calvisi, you're not going to get an answer on that. What I wanted to ask him was, when camp starts, what do you want to get an answer to? What one or two <laughs> when it's, issues? Like, what do you want to figure out in camp? Yes, right away. What do you want to figure out? As soon as you get pads on, what oh, do you want to see? Okay. What what might be keeping you up at night? They're like, you need to see in person and need, you know, see, what would you what would you like to see? I know it's low-hanging fruit, but I, if I'm Jonathan Gannon and I get to training camp, and again, not going to share it to, with anybody, I, I want to have a good idea of where I'm looking, where my quarterback's going to be back. Like, I'd like to know, like, okay, he's he's trending for week six. He's trending for week eight, whatever it would be. So I have a way to kind of wrap my head around how to proceed at that point. That's That would be I, – I don't know if that's fair and or exactly what you were aiming for at this no, point, but no, that that absolutely. is that's what yeah. I would be thinking. Yeah. We've gotten a lot of, well, we got a long time before camp. We got a long time before the season. Okay, but by that time, there won't be a long time anymore. And then all of a sudden the timeline does make a big difference. Yeah. Danny, what do you think? I think I would, if, if you're not going to look at the quarterback's health, somewhere in the trenches um, of what, what are your strengths on the defensive line and, and your base, are you going to be having two defensive linemen? Are you going to be able to have three that you trust out there? And, and kind of what do you have at that position? I think the offensive line is 
while you're looking for a starting combination, you have a pretty good idea for the most part, at least the players on this roster at this moment, right? Maybe one or two positions that could kind of flex. Um, or unless, you know, a player that's currently in a depth role really starts to shine. So to me, I'd probably look at your defensive line and, and what you're going to be able to work around with that. I, I, I just wanted one other thing. If you're yep. talking about right at the outset of camp. Yep. I, I want to have an answer of, of what what exactly I'm getting out of Buda Baker. Is is Buda going to be practicing every day? Could this be a continual hiccup? Yep. If you're talking about something that I want an answer for right when it starts, that would be that. It's a good one. We're close. Same position. Isaiah Simmons. Okay. That's that's if I'm Jonathan Gannon. I want to see Isaiah Simmons in my scheme. I want to see him full speed, full contact. What's he look like? What's he look like in coverage? What's he look like in run force? How versatile is he? How how much has he assimilated the playbook? You know, it's so for all those reasons, I think you have to get an idea. Is is he really a playmaker slash game changer in this defense? Or is he just a guy? What you know, we started this offseason, I threw out there half jokingly, he's like the NFL's version of an inkblot test. What do you see in Isaiah Simmons? You see fantastic measurables, but do you see a player that is going to, you know, be a playmaker for you? Uh, because in in year four, guess what? Potential's just going to get you another team by the end of the season. So we'll see. We'll see. I only wish Justin Jones of the Bears, the defensive tackle was playing for the Cardinals in terms of good copy because I, I wish he'd, he'd step up and take a swing at like the 12s when the Seahawks fans the way he did about Packer fans. Did, did you see how he Are you going to say it out loud? Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, let's see here. He Be ready, Holmes. He said the Packers fans, he said, yeah, you know, their fans are really bleepy. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to go back yeah, up does, there. It does not feel the same when you say bleepy. And I want to play them. Uh, I want to beat them up. And uh, so, anyway, he went on to say, uh, half of them don't even know football. I want to go out there. I want to beat the heck out of them on their own field. So, props to uh, Justin Jones, the Bears defensive tackle, who wants all that smoke from Packer fans. And uh, if you're now that Aaron Rodgers is gone, if you're one of his teammates, don't stand next to him on the sidelines at Lambeau. That would be my only bad. Yeah, uh, keep your helmet on if you are standing next to him. Put it that way. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Cardinals oh, oh, Underground. Oh, oh, I just want oh, to say, no? well, what do we this, got? Is, this is our last one for a while until right around training camp. So safe travels. Everyone enjoy your vacations because the two of you and Craig Greeler are taking vacation at the same time and apparently didn't include me. So I hope the three of you enjoy your vacations. And happy early Father's right. Day. Mostly oh, to my you. dad, but also to <laughs> you guys. And Ohms as well. Happy early Father's Day. Is your mom going to buy him a present? I don't know, Darren. <laughs> It's all right, Danny. We're all living vicariously through your vacation. So, okay. Yeah, she's got she got the big baller as, connection as, with American as Airlines. J- as J- we're not name dropping. <laughs> oh, we're not airline dropping. As uh, as JG said, I'm I'm going overseas across the pond. Across whatever the he pond, said, yeah. across the pond. Very nice. Okay. All right. There you go. Good times. The vacationingist, Danny Sarek. That'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground. Brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.